All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Aiden Mulcrone and Neil Sinha. And this episode, we're about to be talking about the Pistons, their season preview. And then we're also going to give our thoughts about the NBA regular season, which is approaching. So Aiden and Neil, how are we doing? How are we doing? What are you doing? Sir. So the Pistons, their preseason wraps up on Friday when they play the Philadelphia 76ers, and then they get into their regular season October 20th against the Chicago Bulls. So let's just first hop into just like talking about the team overall. So I wanted to first ask and lead in with this question. How are you feeling about this team now as opposed to at the end of last season? How are you feeling more confident or are you feeling a little bit, little bit worse? How do you feel so far about the team? I mean, you have to feel a lot better, I feel like. Um, the fact is like Troy Reaver, in my opinion, has done an unbelievable job the last year with this team. Like he went from, you know, a team that supposedly had a future with John Henson, Brandon Knight, you know, those type of guys to and Seku Dumboya to now Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and then of course, Cade Cunningham. So I think he's done a fantastic job, and I think the Pistons are in a much better position than they were last year. Um, another thing I'll add, too, is Jeremy Grant. I mean, he showed up last year. He he proved that he was worth at least $20 million a year, and he's looked very good in the preseason, by the way, too. So I think you have to feel a lot better. There's a lot of – the building blocks are there now. The question is if they can actually develop the pieces into, you know – stars because that's what they need Killian or not Killian Kate Cunningham to be obviously they would hope Killian Hayes turns into a star whether that happens I don't know but you know now it's the developing phase and they can feel a lot better because they have the pieces sort of in place yeah I mean when you look at it for, yeah like you were saying last year was definitely a struggle especially with like Killian injuries and just finding an identity. Um, and I think they found that with Jeremy Grant. And I think, you know, Cade is going to be an identity and, you know, a guy that people are going to, you know, talk about for a long time. But also at the same time, this the rest of this roster is still far from where they want to be. So it's going to be another, like, lottery pick. Um, not really going to be that close to the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think, but it's definitely a big improvement from, from last season in terms of finding young talent and a core and just, yeah, an identity. Um, but I was, what I was going to say is I was going to ask you guys some questions because Vinayak, I know you went to the open practice. Yes, so what, what what were your takeaways from that? Because you're the first person amongst the three of us to actually see them in person, even if it's not a game. Yeah, no, uh, the open practice, by the way, was just it was just really cool to just be in the arena and be in that sort of environment. It's been like a really long time since I'd seen the Pistons like in like just play basketball like live. So it was really cool. Some some observations just from shoot around. Sadiq Bay is uh cash money from three. Like I don't think he missed a three point a three point shot like during his entire warm-up. He also looks huge in person and he's probably probably one of the more optimistic points of the open practice. Sadiq Bay had himself quite the game in the scrimmage. Though I should note it was the bench versus the starters and the bench actually won the game by like 35 points, which is actually kind of concerning. <laughs> if you think about it, the bench actually just straight up destroyed. And I think that comes down to veteran experience. So our bench looks really good. So Corey Joseph, Trey Lyles, but Trey Lyles had a poster in this scrimmage. So that's how, you know, like the, the veterans are definitely, they're definitely up to something there. And then Kelly Olenek, they just play, they play together and they're going to really help us like steal some games. I don't know if we're going to win that many games, but the games that we do win, I think, It'll be due to the bench, you know, just because of their consistent play. But um, getting into the starting lineup, uh, Jeremy Grant had actually a really rough night or a rough time shooting the ball. He missed a lot of shots, but I don't really I don't think that's really a concern. Jeremy Grant's been he's been balling out, especially in preseason. Last night against the Knicks, I thought he did a really good job of just managing the game. Obviously, we lost the game and 
that was tough. But like, I think, I think Jeremy Grant's doing a great job handling, you know, the primary ball option. My biggest disappointment though, um, wanted to get into, and this will also get into our next part about questions about the team was Killian Hayes, because I had heard, you'd heard everywhere from Dwayne Casey, beat reporters talking about it, how everyone was so optimistic with Killian Hayes and how he came back from France, looking like a new player, making plays for everyone. But to be honest, the Killian Hayes I saw at the open practice was kind of kind of the same same Killian Hayes. There wasn't anything much different. Now, I should you should take it with a grain of salt. It's an open practice. Uh, players aren't obviously going at their 100%, but it was a little bit disappointing. Killian Hayes had like a lot of uh, a lot of unnecessary turnovers. He still has that ugly step back in his game and yeah, I, did, I didn't see him hit like a single shot. I think I, he made like one basket throughout the entire game. So, that was kind of disappointing and like I hope that's just like an anomaly and you know, he's really getting back to it because I think Killian Hayes is like such a pivotal part of this rebuild, you know, it's like this rebuild is in really good shape if Killian Hayes comes through. So that was definitely one more thing. And I'll finally leave it off on Frank Jackson is uh, he is also a certified walking bucket. I think he had like 30 points in this open scrimmage. The man was hitting threes from everywhere. He's also sneaky athletic. Like he was able to get to the basket really easily. And that was just really cool to see him just use that athleticism. He was hitting floaters and yeah, I'm really optimistic for Frank. I think, Josh Jackson, for now, I think Josh Jackson and Frank Jackson um, take the wing spots, um, take the wing spots, you know, at for the Pistons team moving forward uh, this season. But uh, we can actually just get into the next topic. And it's what are some big questions for you guys like about this team next season? What do you think this season hinges on? And what are things that you don't feel as optimistic about moving forward? Yeah, I guess well, I'll say first. I think the biggest question has to be Killian Hayes. And I know it's, you know, kind of the obvious answer, but the fact is we need to see development from him. You know, as, as Pistons fans, the coaches, everyone needs to see development from him. And one thing that I'll say that I was saying all of last year is that, you know, we couldn't really judge him because first of all, it was his rookie season and it's, you can't really judge a player's career on just their rookie year. However, especially last year, considering that was, you know, the COVID year, I mean, they had a training camp of just two weeks before the preseason, which was like a week long. So I think, you know, Killian and the rookies last year were put in a very tough situation. So I give him a pass on that for how bad his rookie season was. And then, of course, he was dealing with injuries, too. But, you know, so this is the year that you can actually start judging him and there has to be development there. I mean, his shot has got to look better. Um, and in general, he just needs to show much more consistency on both sides of the ball. Defensively, he looks good, but there's times where he really presses up on his man. I mean, I saw this in the John Morant uh, matchup against the Grizzlies in the preseason uh, just this past week. He was pressing up on John Morant a few times and Morant got by him for an easy dunk, like, cause he's pressing up on him almost at mid court. And so I just want to see more consistency overall from Killian. Um, and, I, and I think that has to be the biggest question is, you know, how does he adjust? How does he develop from last year? And then I think, you know, another question to ask is, I think how, what's the development of Sadiq Bay? I think he's such a big part of this team's future that if he can really develop into a possible all-star that would speed up this recruiting or rebuilding timeline, excuse me, um, tremendously. And so if he has gotten a lot better at slashing in general, like playmaking too, I think that unlocks another side of his game other than just being a three and D player. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing that and seeing what he's really worked on this past off season. I know we've seen little hints of it, in like the summer league and the preseason so far, but I'll be very interested to see what he does in the regular season with that. I think the two for me are the two Jacksons. So like Josh Jackson and Frank Jackson, I think Josh Jackson, um, he just got it. He's just got to come into his own and be a lot more consistent. I actually read an article that came out yesterday by James Edwards about how John Beeline gave him a book to read um, this offseason about, you know, just just about life and about improving your game and just keeping it simple and just going back to the basics. And I think you see that a lot. Um, obviously, as an MSU fan for football, Mel Tucker has been preaching, 
getting back to the basics and it's been working for them. Um, I mean, Katie always preaches the basics, just being simple in the game. So I think, I think that's, that's important for him. And I think the three preseason games, you've seen that a little bit and we'll see how it translates into an 82 game season. And then Frank Jackson, another guy who out of high school was a five-star recruit, went to Duke, obviously, you know, he was, he was one of Duke's best players, if not the best player on that, that uh, season. I can't remember. I think it was 2017, but anyways, I mean, the talent is there for both of those guys. They're both five stars out of high school. Um, and they, the, again, the potential is there. It's just, can they put it into 82 games in a, in a season, do stuff can, more consistently? And it depends. But I think Troy Weaver sees that and sees the potential they have. And I think Dwayne Casey is trying to put that into a – in a play. And I think John Beeline has helped a lot and just the, the rest of the coaching staff. And if they, if they really get Josh Jackson going and sign him to a solid, like three or four year extension with like for decent money and he like comes into his own, that could be a, that could be a massive steal for like playoffs come like 2024, 2025. So, yeah. Yeah, those are some really good questions you guys brought up. I would also add the center position is also something that I'm really interested in, just rebounding in general. Our centers are kind of undersized, and we've been starting to already see the rebounding uh, differentials have been on the favor of the Pistons. Although I think at one point in the New York game, they were rebounding quite well, but I think overall the course of the season, it's going to be a problem. I also am like really interested in Isaiah Stewart's like development. What's like the next step for him? I think... The jump shot, we saw flashes of it uh, last season, and he was given the green light to shoot towards the end. But I kind of want to see more of that. You know, I haven't, I haven't been as satisfied with Isaiah Stewart as I wanted to be like during this preseason. I don't feel like I've seen him like hit the shots. You know, back in uh, in his rookie season when he would shoot, it almost always felt like it was going in. Now it's probably not as not as much of a feeling. So I, I kind of want to see like what they do with Isaiah Stewart. Maybe work on his playmaking because he's shown flashes of being able to put the ball on the floor. I think there was, there was a play against the Chicago Bulls. I think twice he went right at Nikola Vucevic, who's, who's on the Bulls. Yeah, he went twice to Nikola Vucevic and got an and one. And I wonder, like, how they can build on that and, you know, do more with Isaiah Stewart moving forward uh, for, his, for his, his development. I think Kelly Olynyk will help. And I wonder, I'm kind of interested to see how they play, if they play the two together, because Isaiah Stewart and Mason Plumlee was, like, an, obje- like an objective disaster because uh, – it just doesn't work. It just doesn't because Mason Plumlee can't shoot the ball. So there's not much spacing. And Isaiah Stewart at the time wasn't really known for a shooter. But this time now you have Kelly Olenek, who, by the way, has been so far from preseason has been like a really underrated signing. Like I, I wasn't too keen on the signing, but now I'm like all in on Kelly Olenek. But um, it'll be interesting because he can space the floor. Isaiah Stewart can potentially space the floor. So I think that'll just help this uh, development more overall. Though, but speaking of development and speaking of rookies, we have to talk. We can't have a Pistons episode without talking about the main rookie, the main guy who basically headlined this offseason and is the reason why so many more people are going to tune into the Pistons this season. It's Mr. None Other Than Cade Cunningham, the first overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. Um, Now, being with the number one pick, there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of pressure. A lot of people are going to be expecting him be prepared on Twitter. If he has a bad game, they're going to call him a bust. You already saw that Jalen Green had a bad game in the preseason for the Rockets and people are already calling him a bust. So there's going to be a lot of uh, heavy expectations on Kate Cunningham. But for you guys, uh, what are you guys looking at? What do you guys want to see from Kate? Maybe you can give your uh, season predictions or like, yeah. So what are you guys looking for in Kate? And what are your expectations personally? For me, I mean, I just want to see leadership. I'm not really going to throw any numbers out right now in terms of averages, but I just want to see leadership because I think besides Jeremy Grant, they need they need a young leader, and that's important, especially if he's going to be running the point. And I honestly, I want to see more of just 
like molding and like fitting with Killian or whoever's at the the two or the wing. I think that's important. Or if he's at the wing, I just want, yeah, I just want leadership and like being a threat no matter where he is with or without the ball. And yeah, we're doing season predictions for like the team. Oh no, you can just talk about Kate if you want. Just like, what do you want? What are you like predicting his stat line? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess if I had to say a stat, I go like 15, 16 points, like, I don't know, five, five assists, five rebounds. I guess. I mean, I don't know. That's probably what I'd say for for now. Nothing, nothing too high, like nothing too high. Cause he's an all around player. Yeah, I mean, well, personally, I'm looking for a, a Luca type of rookie season, like 22 points, eight rebounds, six. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I think if we're keeping the expectations realistic here, especially with the teammates that he has and this, you know, the team in general, um, I think we need to make sure to not, I don't know, be unrealistic in saying Cade's going to put up, you know, 22, 23 points. Because also, you have to understand. He's not that type of player, especially not right now. Maybe he'll turn into more of a scorer later, but I don't think he's that type of player right now to be putting up, you know, 35, 40 some games. I just don't think he's that type of guy. Um, And so, I don't know. I think a realistic expectation would kind of be what Aiden said of 16 points. Uh, I'm looking for, you know, five assists and then maybe six rebounds because he is a pretty good rebounder. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest questions that I have with Cade is really how does he fit with this team? And I know you guys touched on it earlier, but how does he fit with Killian? That's going to be a humongous question. Um, And then on top of that, how does he fit with the rest of his team? Because in Oklahoma State, when he was there for his one year in college, um, you know, a lot of the questions that people asked with him was about his playmaking because he was billed as being this amazing playmaker coming out of high school but I'm pretty sure he only averaged like three assists in college. And so a lot of people have been saying over and over that was just because of his teammates. And to be honest, if you watched any Oklahoma state games, you would realize that that was because of his teammates. I mean, he had a not very good team around him. So I'm interested to see, you know, is that proven true? Is he actually a great playmaker? And was that just, you know, kind of a college fluke and the the team he had around him. Um, And then from there, I think I've been watching some more tape on Cade recently And I've kind of come to realize actually that he's somewhat similar to Killian and that his weak hand is really not very good. And so I want to see some development there with his left hand. Um, I think that's going to be a big point of emphasis for this team and for him, because he needs to tighten up his handles as well as I think speed things up. And so I think there's a lot of things that you can look at with Cade, but people need to understand it's a rookie season. Again, he's going to have some issues. He's going to have some you know, flashes certainly too. Um, but I think realistically, like, like I said, 16 points, maybe 17, um, six rebounds and five or four assists. I think as Pistons fans, you have to be happy with 16, seven and five. Like, I think that's the ideal stat line for, for Kate Cunningham. You know, I think this season is going to be, it's going to be kind of interesting because he's going to come in and there's obviously going to be some growing pains, but I'm also just interested to see how like the team handles him, how the coaching staff decides to play to his strength and weakness. I personally don't think the Cade and Killian pairing is going to be good. Like I, I know they're going to try to give, they're going to try to give it some time. They're going to let it, you know, try to develop it. But I honestly think, you know, when you get a player like him at the number one pick, and I know everyone's going to focus has been focusing on his negatives lately, but a lot of people are just mad that he's not on their team. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of biased there. A lot of people are just mad that Kate's not on their team, so they talk about his next. But um, I think you really need a focus. It's kind of – we've talked about this, this Luca Dennis Smith Jr. thing. We, I think at some point, and I think this is going to happen midseason, they're going to finally make a switch, and I think Killian's going to go to the bench, which I do think Killian should go because if you watch the preseason games, you can tell – and even from the open practice, you can kind of tell Killian's just not really built for the starter competition. I'd much rather see him play with the bench unit and then just – on lower competition dominate or you know do well there because like you kind of want to see it's got to be hard for Killian's like to just struggle so much against the starters and there is a thing you throw someone into like 
you know, the deep end and hope they'll swim. But, you know, if someone doesn't know how to swim in the deep end, they're just going to drown, you know? So with, that's how I feel with, with killing. And I just, he's just been drowning. And I just want to see Cade and like Frank Jackson or Cade and Diallo. I think those two players will definitely open up Cade. And I just want to see, I want to see them use Cade as like, you know, the number one guy. I know it's not going to be first. I know we're going to be seeing Jeremy Grant being the number one guy, but I think, I hope, my hope is towards the end of the season, Cade is the one with the ball in his hands late in games. He's the one, you know, they can play for the teammates. He's the one who's getting all the highlights. So that's definitely what I hope for Cade. And as far as predictions, as long as um, it's like, yeah, like you guys said, 15, six, four, something like that. And the main thing, as long as he's like positively impacting the team and they're winning games, I don't think you can be that. You don't have to be mad with that. I think, I think even like a lower, even if he averages only like 12 points, he has like 12, six or 12, five and three, if they're winning games, that's all that matters to Kate anyway. So I think that's also a sufficient stat line. He's talked about it uh, before, just like winning and like how much that does for the team. But yeah, no, I think, I think it's just going to be an exciting year for him overall. Um, moving. Yeah. Into- can I just, can I add real quick on Killian? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, cause he, you know, he's played the past couple of preseason games and he's been in some like garbage time situations at the end of the game that I've seen a lot of people commenting online saying, you know, give that playing time to someone like Saban Lee or uh, other guys like Corey Joseph. Even I just want to say, cause you kind of touched on it and I, um, it's very important for Killian to get those reps because he really needs to build up his mentality right now. And I think honestly, that's the biggest issue that I have with Killian Hayes right now is that I'm not sure if he has that mentality of being an actual like go getter and taking that next step in his development. Cause he just seems so like timid on the court. Yeah. He's like scared to hold onto the ball to shoot it. Definitely. He's very scared to shoot it. Um, you know? And so I think it's very important for him even if it's garbage time moments to get those reps and actually start to string together some good sequences and possibly turn around his season and his career in general too, because I just think his mentality is really lacking right now. And so I get what people are saying that kind of give other people chances, but I do think it's very important for Killian to get those two. Um, and then going back to Cade, I have a legitimate question to ask. What is what is the best nickname for Kate Cunningham? Because <laughs> I my favorite is Cartier K. I think that's like smooth and like clean, kind of. Uh, of course, referencing the Cartier buffs that he wore on draft night. But what do you guys think? Do you like Motorcade better or, or another one? I honestly, I think I'd also say Cartier. I think Motorcade was just forced by national by mainstream media. Um when he got drafted, they were like, it's the motorcade. You know, they just forced that nickname on him. But I think Cartier Cade, you know, Detroit people will know he wore the bus to the, I mean, that's, that's it. Cade Cunningham was buffed up. So I think Cartier Cade uh, is perfect for him. And also just Mr. Cade Cunningham. I just love this is just saying that name, Mr. Cade Cunningham. That also does his name itself is a nickname to me. It's like, they'll call him whatever, as long as he's hooping. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess I go Cartier Cade too. I don't really have a say in this. Like, I don't know. I don't really care. As long as he winning. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, next question that we had was who for the Pistons, who is a breakout or surprise player that you guys are having your eyes on for this upcoming season? I used to say like uh I used to say some answer like Hamadou Diallo, Sadiq Bey, or something like that. I'll give I'll give a different answer. I'll give I'll give someone like that's not as common. I think Jamarco Pickett is gonna find a way to get minutes on this team. He's gonna first start off as probably like a bench player coming in when they're you know up by 20, down by 20. But I think I mean the flashes from what you've seen with him in preseason, he can shoot the ball, he can shoot the ball quite well. He plays defense. He's athletic from what from what I've seen, he looks pretty athletic. You know, he had some nice tip-ins in, against the game in the game against the Knicks. I think Jamarco Pickett is just a really solid player. Maybe not like your star. You know, we're all obsessed with potential, but like players like Sadiq Bey, right? Players where you you don't have to necessarily bet on potential. We always talk about potential potential with Killian Hayes, but it's good to have players like Sadiq Bey who also is working on his ceiling, but players who are just, you know, solid, you know, three and D guys. I think Jamarco Pickett could definitely be that type of player. And I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that he's going to be in the rotation by the end of the year. 
I'll say Trey Lyles, um, just because he's a he's kind of a guy that can, he's a stretch four um, that can run the floor for for uh, yeah he can just help run the floor, uh, speed up things and like like Frank Jackson and Josh Jackson, another five star recruit like coming out of high school. So you're buying in on his potential, and he's 25, so you know he hasn't technically reached his prime yet. So you're again, you're buying in on that potential. So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's shown that he'll earn a he'll earn a role um, in the preseason. And I don't know, <laughs> there's there's not really you're kind of buying into potential on pretty much everyone. So yeah, that's that's all I gotta say really. I can't just let me just say one thing on Trey Lyles. I actually can't believe he's only 25. I feel like he's been in the league like forever. Like he's, he's only 25. Yeah. yeah, he's only 25. And I, I feel like he's been like, I feel like he's a veteran at this point. But um, I mean, yes, the potential is reigning if he's 25, I guess. Yeah. I mean, same thing with Josh Jackson, though. You yeah. you think he, he's been in the league for a long time, but is only 24. Dang, what do I feel like I was playing with Trey Lyles in NBA 2K13 or something? <laughs> I guess not. But um, no, I mean, I think. Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. I, I think there's kind of a certain set of players for the Pistons that we already know they're going to be the leading, uh, you know, guys on this team. And what I mean by that is guys like Jeremy Grant, um, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, I think Corey Joseph too, Kelly Olenek. So I'm not sure if there'll be any huge surprises this year like there was last year with Sadiq Bay and obviously Jeremy Grant and then Isaiah Stewart in the second half of the season. Um, so I'll go with kind of like you guys, more of a role player, but I'll say actually Isaiah livers. I think there has been absolutely no talk about him just because he's been dealing with that, uh, leg injury from Michigan season this past year. And so, I don't know. I think he, he reminds me so much of a prototypical NBA ready three and D guy that I think he's going to log some pretty good minutes for this team and carve out definitely a rotation role. Now, whether he turns into anything special or a legitimate starter in this league or anything like that, I don't really think so. But I do think that he carves out quite a bit of minutes and playing time with this team. And I think he can be a very valuable um, bench player for for the Pistons. So I don't know. I would, yeah, I would go with Isaiah Livers. Another thing I'll say is that if you had asked me this question like a month ago, I probably would have said Hamidou Diallo. But I got to be honest, he has not really impressed at all in the preseason oh, and yeah. Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Dwayne Casey doesn't even look like he really likes him that much, which is weird because I mean, I thought he showed so many flashes last year to warrant quite a bit of playing time this year, but I guess not. And I mean, we'll see, maybe that'll change throughout the season. Um, but yeah, I've been a little disappointed with him. So I'll go with Isaiah livers for sure. And then I guess that kind of leads into um this little last segment that we have with the Pistons. Um, so the over-unders have been, I think they were set. I think they're set like right after um, the end of last season or the championship with the Bucks. but the Pistons were set, I believe originally like 23 and a half. And then of course they drafted Kate Cunningham and now the season win total over-under projection is set at 25 and a half. Do the Pistons go over that or under? What's your pick with that? And, you know, if you have a specific number of wins that you're, you know, predicting for the Pistons this year, you can say that too. I think they go over that. I think, I think they only finished, they were only 20 and 52 last season. And also bear in mind last season, they were in a lot of games that they actually could have won. And also factor in at the end of the season, they really tanked hardcore like josh Smith, josh jackson was out for like a tooth surgery like they really tanked uh, they tanked hardcore and they lost games and they lost a lot of games on purpose so i think they can definitely go um over that i think honestly i don't know if the team's a play-in team they're probably i see them as like third 12 or 13th in the east eastern conference at around give me 30 i think 30 and 52 i think i think they get to 30 wins they reach 30 and 52 and then it's kind of like at that point, it's more so like, you know, we may we, we may have found our pieces. Let's just hope they develop and less of, you know, we need to tank, tank, tank. And we need to get 
Paulo Banchero or Chet Holmgren. You know, I think I hopefully my my goal for this season. Hopefully, we're not thinking about tanking at the end of the season. But yeah, I would say around thirty wins. Yeah, I would say just under thirty wins. So I probably take the over around like 28, 29. And yeah, another top 10 pick, hopefully closer to five um, rather than like 10 or 11. Um, that would be ideal. And then get another guy to go with Cade and Grant. But yeah, I don't really see them winning more than 30 games. I think a lot of the teams around them have, or a lot of teams in the East have found uh, pieces to to build on and like teams like teams like Chicago I think just the sheer number of players they have that are better I don't think they're that great of a team overall but just the amount of average dudes they have on their team compared to the Pistons are a lot are a lot higher and yeah I don't know I think I think they'll finish probably 13th and I think the only teams in the East that'll finish worse, probably, depending on Washington trading Beal, um, and probably like Orlando. So yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys on this one. I I don't know. I think right when we drafted Cade, um, I think a lot of Pistons fans were immediately talking about the play-in as being a realistic goal. And I think it is a good goal to have. But I just think when you look at the Eastern Conference, and I'm not saying that the East has gotten way better or anything like that, but I just think when you look at the East, I'm not really sure that we're better than five teams, just being honest. Like, I think I agree that I think I think Orlando probably finishes last in the Eastern Conference. And so I think they passed them. Do they pass Cleveland? I'm not entirely sure on that because I don't know. Cleveland has guys like Colin Sexton going to what is fourth season or something. So he has quite a bit of experience. They have in general, I would say more experience. Of course, Kevin loves that situation is still there too. Um, and so I'm not, I'm really not sure that they're better than five teams in terms of the win total. I would take the over on 25 and a half. Cause I think my prediction is around 27, 28 wins. Cause I think they will surprise some people at times this season. Like Jeremy Grant's a great player. I think Isaiah Stewart has a fantastic season. Um, I'm just not sure that the fit is there in the backcourt yet. And I will say, I, I do think the second unit for the Pistons is really good that it'll keep them in some games that maybe their starting lineup can't compete with, um, with other teams. So yeah, I would take the over for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that I would take the plane because again, I don't, I don't see them being really better than Chicago, even though I'm not very high on Chicago this year, but I don't think they're better than Chicago. And then out of the top 10 teams from last year, I think the only team that I would say that they could be better than is Washington, just because of, again, they lost Westbrook, who actually was a humongous contributor for them last year, despite his inefficiencies. And I think I could see them trading Bradley Beal later this season too. So yeah, I, I, I don't see them making the play in, but I do see them winning over 25 and a half games. And so kind of leading into now the our regular season predictions for the NBA as a whole. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you guys was if you had any surprise teams that you were looking at, you know, any underrated teams that could really shock people this upcoming season. I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. I really I really like what they've been doing. I think LaMelo could be a potential. I think LaMelo, if he puts together a full season, could be an all-star. Um, Bridges has gotten better. I know Vinayak was really high on James Booknight. So we'll see We'll see how that goes. Um, Gordon James Booknight, I just want to say real quick. You cannot tell me he doesn't look exactly like the main character of Fish Tales. Like Bruh. his face, dude. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect on him. He's a great player. I'm just saying. He's a bucket. Bruh. But anyways, I mean Gordon Hayward would probably be healthy. I like I like the the Kai Jones pick. I mean, I just think they have an all-around solid team that 
will probably make will probably if they'll make the they'll be the seven, I think, or the or the eight. They're definitely like a play in team that has a legit shot at making the playoffs. But yeah, that's 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 my underrated team. Yeah, no, um, I'll take it to the Western Conference. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are gonna have a better season. I guess I guess because the expectations are so low there. They're gonna have they're gonna have a much better season. I think first of all, you have Anthony Edwards, the the rookie, and he struggled obviously in this first in the first half of the season, but in the second half of the season, he really came to life. You know, had some 40 point games. He was getting more and more efficient. I expect to see more of that growth. And also one thing people don't really realize with the Timberwolves is they were without D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns playing together healthy throughout the majority of the year. And once they were, there were two games above 500. And I know that's not like championship or anything but like it's the minnesota timberwolves have been in such a like that that franchise has just gone through like so much stuff and they're they're they've not been relevant at all so i think it'd just be cool to see them make the playoffs and i think the addition also of patrick beverly is just going to add some you know feistiness and aggressiveness to the team that i think i think the timberwolves can can build off that and i think they'll probably they'll surprise some people and may beat out teams like the kings or yeah, like the like the Sacramento Kings to get that playing spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they. Get... I don't think that's saying much though, Vinay, because the Kings. You know, I was gonna mention the Pelicans, but I know they were your team, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think I think just making the play in for the Minnesota Timberwolves to let them know they're actually just doing something. They're not wasting Carl Anthony Towns, which I think they do, but that's that's for them to figure out. They did get a um, new GM, or. Their old GM got uh, had some relations with a, a worker or something, and then the new GM, uh, Indian Sachin Gupta, is now the GM. So hopefully, you know, they're building something nice there, and they can do what they <laughs> they can do whatever they can to you know keep their franchise in Minnesota. That's also a thing. They really need to keep that franchise in Minnesota because you know if they leave now, then it's you know what does Minnesota have? Just like the Vikings and the baseball team. So yeah, that's my. Pick. They got the they got the Minnesota Wild. They got an MLS team too. Yep, yep. I stand corrected then. I stand correct. Yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to my pick, but I'm going with the Pelicans. And let me preface this by saying that I have been completely against the Pelicans and all the predictions and expectations that everyone has made since they drafted Zion. I mean, when they drafted Zion, everyone was saying that they were going to make the playoffs year one, that last year they were for sure at least going to be a playing team. Didn't do either of that. I think a big part of that was probably Stan Van Gundy's coaching. But I do think the Pelicans actually finally take that step this year. I really like the addition of Devontae Graham there. I think he's going to be the perfect guy to set up with, with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. You know, a great shooter. He's going to really be able to um, space the floor a little bit for them. And he's good. He's a pretty good playmaker, too. So I, I like that addition. And then they brought in a new head coach in Willie Green. Um, and I think that that was a big time hire for them. Willie Green, of course, was the assistant coach under Monty Williams with the Phoenix Suns for, I believe, like two years, I want to say. And so, you know, obviously everyone's been raving about Monty Williams in the NBA over the last year or two. So, you know, pretty good coaching lineage there. But yeah, I, I think the Pelicans finally take that next step. I think I definitely think that they make the playing game this year. When you look at last year, in the Western conference. And I get how tough the West will be, but when you look at last year and a team like the Spurs getting that 10 seed, I see the Pelicans passing them. And I do think that the Pelicans can pass possibly two other teams like Memphis. Um, I think that they can be better than as well as um, I don't know, possibly, honestly, even though I'm a big, you know, fan of what the Clippers have done this past year, might be a bold take by me, but I'm not sure that the Clippers are actually going to be in the top eight in the Western Conference this year just because Kawhi Leonard's going to be hurt. I know that sounds crazy, but if they're fully healthy, I do think the Clippers are a clear contender. But without Kawhi, I'm not entirely sure, especially because they don't have the same depth that they used to. So anyways, we'll see. That's kind of besides the point. I, I can see the Pelicans sneaking into the top eight of the actual playoff seedings and definitely the play-in tournament too. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of going off the Clippers, though, I was going to ask you, Vinay, because um, I know you've been a big fan of the Clippers this past year. Do they – like, what, what do they do without Kawhi? Do they actually still remain a contender or what happens? Yeah, no, with the uh... – 
with the Clippers, I think I think the end of the playoffs kind of showed just like the the fight in the team, you know, how they were able to surprisingly somehow beat Utah. I don't think that gets talked about enough how the Utah Jazz literally had the the Western Conference Finals in their hand. They were literally given a gift. I wouldn't say an injury is a gift, but it was it was a huge blow to the Clippers. And, you know, it, it looked like the Clippers were done and they somehow won they won that series and they won two games so I think the Clippers they may not be I, I think you are right I don't think they're going to be like a, a contender in that sense they I think they'll probably be a low playoff team but um for the most part they retain most of their players I don't think anyone really left they kept except Patrick the main thing they did was Patrick Beverly and they got got rid of him I think for contract stuff and they brought back Eric, Eric Bledsoe who you know Eric Bledsoe's had himself quite the, quite the rough time, but you know he used to play for the Clippers, so maybe he can rejuvenate his career. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not expecting too much um, from the Clippers. I will say though, this kind of does get into one of our later segments. I will say, I Paul George is probably one of my dark horse candidates to win the MVP. Uh, we saw this in OKC where like when he was the primary option, you know, it was his time, when it was his team, it was his time to shine. And that a Paul George led team won't go to the championship. Unfortunately, that's the reality, but he will get his stats though. And it's kind of similar to when he was on the Pacers too. It's like, it's his team. And I think Paul George is prime for that moment. And we know the MVP nowadays, not necessarily correlated to, you know, winning in the playoffs. I mean, we saw Giannis win it the back-to-back years, even though the Bucks choked in the playoff. Now they finally can say they didn't choke, but they lost. They lost in those years. They lost in the playoffs to like the Heat and the Raptors. So I think PG-13 is a dark horse candidate for MVP. No, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, I was thinking about that um, when I was thinking about the MVP race. Let me just clarify. So I do think that the Clippers are still a very good team. I definitely think that. And once they get Kawhi back, especially then. But I just think when you look at the Western Conference right now and you look at last season too, I generally could see a situation where the eight seed, whoever it is in the West could be like 45 and 37 this year. Yeah, It's really, really talented because I mean, literally you look last year, the warriors were, they finished uh, as the eight seed in the regular season and the Grizzlies beat them out for that spot in the playoffs. But the warriors were 39 and 33 last year. I mean, a 542 winning percentage. That is unbelievable to be an eight seed at 39 and 33 in a 72 game season. Like, I could genuinely see the Clippers. Like, they're still going to be a good team. They'll still be above 500, definitely. But I just think in the dogfight that is the Western Conference, I could see them being, like, the eight seed there. And another team that I'll say, by the way, that I could see making a jump, and I'll say this just because of the amount of injuries in the Western Conference, is the Portland Trailblazers. And the reason why I think that is because I think Dame is really realizing this is it. I mean, this is truly this has to be his last year in Portland unless they actually do something. Cause otherwise I think he's gone and you know how much he loves that city and how loyal he's been and how much he wants to win with them. But, you know, I think there, I think Dame's going to be playing with a vengeance. I think he could be an MVP type of guy this year. I think CJ McCollum has a pretty good season. Hopefully he can finally stay healthy. Cause that dude, I swear every two weeks you're yeah, seeing a new, yeah, you're seeing a new injury that CJ McCollum has, but Again, when you look at the Western Conference, you know, Utah, Phoenix is dealing with, or or Phoenix went to the championship, of course, last year. Denver dealing with the Jamal Murray injury. Clippers dealing with the Kawhi injury. Dallas is there. You have Portland, the the new Lakers. Not very new, but Russell Westbrook-led Lakers. Lakers. And then you have John Morant, too, um, with the Grizzlies. And then the Warriors, sorry to go through every team, but the Warriors – they're getting back Clay Thompson. There's been all the reports that Jordan Poole is the next best thing. I mean, Steph said that Jordan Poole has a chance to be better than Steph is, which, hey, and you know, congrats to Jordan Poole. But breaks. let's pump the <laughs> No, exactly. But I'm just saying, when you look at all of those teams, I think every one of them is probably about 500. But for the Clippers, I could see them possibly being like a seven or eight seed, but still being like 46 and 36 or something like that. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be an interesting, very interesting run for the playoffs in the Western Conference. But um, kind of to go back into what we were talking about, though, on the flip side of surprise teams, what are some overrated teams that you guys have your eye on? I know, you know, I think all of us have been talking about the Bulls for a while. So whoever wants to take that one can. 
All right, I have a bone to pick. I'm going to go on. Like, the New York Knicks, absolutely, like, trash-ass organization. They are just – it's <laughs> unsustainable. It's unsustainable what they're doing. They made the – they were four-seed last year, and they got whooped by Ice Trey. And they're just not going to – they're just not going to do it again. And they wasted – like – they picked Obi Toppin at number eight or whatever last year. And, you know, Julius Randle had, he had a, he had a career season. He was good. And I'll, I'll give him that. But again, unsustainable, he's going to regress to where he once was, and you know, he'll be good still. He'll probably average 20 a game. I mean, it, it really depends on RJ Barrett, honestly, um, if he makes a jump or if he just, stays the same and then I think Derek Rose is just he's he's not gonna be what he was he's just gonna be average I think Emmanuel quickly was a pleasant surprise but we'll just go back we'll not be as good as what he was I just I just don't see that that organization sustaining that su- success for longer than a season and i think they're super overrated and i was i really had this is like my biggest hunch and last year i had a hunch that the hawks would be a top five team in the east and everyone called me crazy and i was right and this is my hunch this year is that the knicks are gonna suck so hopefully i'm right perhaps the team that overachieved a little bit too much last year. I, I do agree. It was a team kind of composed of mainly veterans that really clicked. They really clicked well. And I mean, it was good for them. Their chem- their defense was phenomenal, but yeah, you wonder like, can they sustain that? They have some nice pieces. Um, RJ Barrett's like a good piece, Julius Randle, but yeah, no, you do wonder the East has gone talented. So I do question the Knicks. I'm going to go take, I'm going to take, I'll say two teams. I'll take the obvious one, the Chicago Bulls. I do. I'll say this that like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, what do these three players all have in common? They've never won like ever. Like DeMar DeRozan has had his times with the Toronto Raptors, but they never, I mean, it was in front of LeBron. So, I mean, it is what it is. They got, he got swept multiple times. Zach Levine has never won in his career. Nikola, Nikola Vucevic's uh, prime accomplishment was going to becoming the eighth seed and getting swept by the Bucks in, in the playoffs or, I hey, think, we're getting we're getting the all star over Andre Drummond in 2018 oh, or whenever. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Don't don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean they haven't done too much, and I just feel like when you get all these players together on paper, that looks like that looks like three all stars potentially three all stars on a team. Although if you count Demar Derozan an all star, that's that's for the viewer to decide that. But it looks like nice on paper. But I just don't see the team. Also, Lonzo Ball, too. Lonzo Ball had an improved season, but he's also never won in his career. The only player on that team that's won is, like, is uh, Alex Caruso. And I don't know. I just wonder, like, the lack of winning experience, how that's going to, you know, form the team. And I don't – I think they will make the playoffs. And they could win some games, but there is no way they're going to do stuff in the playoffs. I think first round, second, they're they're not going to make a run. They're, I think a team like the Miami Heat is more primed up. Uh, more primed for a run. And also one more team I'll say, uh, the Utah Jazz aren't overrated. They're going to do phenomenal in the regular season. And they did make some signings. So they signed Hassan Whiteside. They assigned, um, they signed uh, Rudy Gay. But like at the same time, I still think the Jazz are also a team that, unless they figure out a way to match, like what the Clippers did, basically they just set the blueprint for beating the Jazz in future series if they could still commit to Gobert. And that's just, Gobert is a phenomenal defender, but you know, it's a it's a seven foot guy trying to guard the three. So I think the Jazz they may have a great season, but I don't I don't predict them at all. I don't think they're a threat at all to win the West. So that's I guess one of my other overrated teams. Although shout out Donovan, I wanna, shout out Donovan. Mitchell. I want to say this. I want to say this quickly. But the, the two a uh, thing that the Bulls and the Knicks both have in common is poor coaching and suffocating young players out of playing time. Kobe White was really good his at the end of his rookie yeah, season before the pandemic. And what do they do? Oh, they went out and got two other guards to play over him. Tom Thibodeau, like Mitchell Robinson is a solid ass player. And what do they do? They go get, they go draft Obi Toppin and get like Julius Randle and a bunch of other dudes that like shouldn't be playing over him. So like 
that that's also another problem with those two teams. They could be a lot better, but they just poor coaching. No, I'm completely, completely with you. Aiden. I think the, I, I don't know, even last year I was saying like, I have no clue how the Knicks got the four seed last year. I mean, maybe it was just because the middle of the Eastern conference last year, in my opinion, just was not good at all. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just, I wasn't very impressed with them at all. And I don't think that they really got much better. I think Julius Randle, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it was a fluke, but I kind of do think that it was. And he's a good player, but he's just, he's not a franchise guy. I mean, he's not, if you're building a championship, Julius Randle is not who you're building around. Um, so I don't know. I definitely think the Knicks regress. I'm going to go with, this might sound crazy, but the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. And here's my reason why. I'm sorry, but to go to go along with what you guys have been saying about coaching, Mike Budenholzer, and it's funny because I, I defended him at the beginning of his tenure with Milwaukee. He is a god-awful coach. Like, I'm sorry. He's so bad. Anyone with an ounce of basketball knowledge can tell how bad of a coach he is. Because in the playoffs last year, the amount of times that I saw Giannis taking fadeaways from, from lining up in the post – I mean, it, it drove me mad, and I'm not even a Bucks fan. Giannis should not be doing that. In general, their spacing was not very good. The play calling, um, like some of their set pieces from out-of-bounds plays, not good at all. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't think Milwaukee should have – I think in a regular year they don't win a championship, and that's not to take anything away from them. Congrats, you know, to them definitely, and congrats to Giannis. He's a great player, and I'm happy that he got that ring. But there is no way. I mean, if I could bet money, I would bet money on the Bucks not winning the championship for sure. Though, of course, that would be, you know, bad odds because I think that's kind of obvious. But no, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Milwaukee is pretty overrated, you know, considering that they're the defending champs. I don't think that they get out of the East. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I don't think they get out of the East. I don't, they're not better than Brooklyn. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure. Like they might get the two seed, but I just there's no way they repeat again. And I think they're a pretty overrated team, I guess I would say. Um, and so, like I said, this kind of goes into this topic goes into what we wanted to talk about next, which was overall season prediction. So, um, you know, I guess let's how about how about you guys say your finals predictions? Who's going to be in the final and then who takes it home? I hate to. I, I'll, I'll go first. I hate to be so like basic with the prediction, but like it just feels like it's just gonna be nets. Like although I will say if Kyrie doesn't play, then I'll say the East is actually just wide open. I think Milwaukee could theoretically go back to the finals, but it was the Milwaukee, it was the Brooklyn Nets last year that was the better team than the Bucks. I won't let the Bucks fans are gonna talk about like oh no, you know everyone's playing hurt. You know you guys lost Kyrie Irving, but we lost Dante Divincenzo. You know it's just like. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, the injuries really hampered the Nets. So, I mean, if Kyrie doesn't play, I guess that'll hurt. But they were also playing with James Harden on like half a leg. Like his hamstring was messed up. So I think the Brooklyn Nets are the obvious pick in the East. And then in the West, like you mentioned, Neil, it is actually a straight up toss up. I don't I don't see it. I think I will say this. I think the Lakers, if they don't get any injuries, which is a huge knock on wood, like astronomically like a large not because they just got the oldest team and come what comes with being an old team is injury prone players you know Westbrook Anthony Davis even LeBron although LeBron's been really good with his like longevity like he also suffered an ankle injury I hope he's healthy like he doesn't have much like years left so I hope hopefully he's healthy but if he's healthy I think it's Nets Lakers and uh, I'm gonna be well I'm gonna say Lakers win the championship I I want to see the Lakers take down the Nets that'd be pretty cool to see and also the Lakers got Seiko Dumbuya. So, you know, it's just Pistons just everywhere. This is the Pistons podcast. So I had to give a shout out to Seiko. I think it's I think the Nets are going to win no matter what or no matter who it is, uh, with or without Kyrie. Um, yeah, it's just bound to happen. Who comes out of the West, it, again, it's tough. I am still a firm believer at heart that a completely healthy Warriors at the end of the season could make it to the finals. And I don't even care if they're, 
you know, the six, the six seed because Clay's going to be out and Wiseman's going to be out for part of the season. If they come back at the end of the season all healthy together, I'm a firm believer they could make it back to the finals, no question. But obviously, again, that's a big if and knock on wood, like all those guys stay healthy. Um, but right now, honestly, I would say Utah. I like I like what Utah is doing. And again, like Kawhi out. Um, I I mean, I just kind of I'm kind of buying into them a little bit more. And I think they I think they could make a big trade at the deadline um, for someone. I don't know if it's Ben Simmons. I don't know if it's for like even like CJ McCollum or someone weird like that. But yeah, I think I think they're probably the best team right now. I do like the Nuggets, but I don't know. They're not there yet. But Jamal Murray, too. yeah, yeah. I think I think it'd be Nets sweeping the Jazz if they make it. But I don't know. I'm still I still believe in the Warriors if they if they're healthy. Yeah, I mean, and I literally agree with absolutely everything that you said there. Um, I, I don't know. I think people have been overreacting about the Kyrie stuff. I'm a firm believer that Brooklyn is still number one in the East and by a decent margin, even without Kyrie Irving, just because I, I don't know. I'm not sure that Kyrie even makes them that much better because he is an awful defender. And then offensively, does he help you too much when you already have KD and James Harden? Like, I don't know, maybe if, if, if basketball is a game with two basketballs, maybe, but like, it's not, there's only one basketball. And so only one guy shooting at a time. So I don't know. I just think, I think Brooklyn is just still by far way better than everyone in the Eastern conference. I think when you also look at their bench and their depth overall, by the way, hopefully LaMarcus Aldridge is kind of back to, I don't know, his form maybe two years ago, which again, isn't saying much because he wasn't that great two years ago, but I just, hopefully he's a little bit better than he was last year. Cause he looked completely washed up. Blake Griffin, again, got a whole off season um, to recover even more. And he's coming into the season actually like fully healthy for the first time in a while. So yeah, I, I don't know. I really like Brooklyn and the Eastern conference. And then from the West, like you guys have been saying, there's so many teams that you could pick from and make a legitimate argument for like generally, I mean, you could pick the Clippers and say, once they get Kawhi back, they're a genuine contender. I would, I would say that's a fair argument, but no, I, I really like Utah. I'll, I'll add quickly with, um, Golden State. I fully agree with you. I think people are forgetting about the Warriors a little bit just because of the past two years. But listen, this Warriors team, if Clay comes back anywhere near he was last year or anywhere near he was before he got hurt, um, Golden State could very well win the Western Conference. And then who knows, maybe they actually give Brooklyn a fight in that championship. So I don't know. We'll see. And then the other thing I'll add with them is that Jordan Poole if it's actually true, and he's looked good in the preseason, by the way, if it's actually true that he's taking that next step legitimately, maybe they don't even need Clay to return to what he was at before. Um, you know, because I think they'd still be pretty good in that backcourt with Steph and Jordan Poole. Because of course, anytime you have Steph on your team, you have a advantage in the backcourt. So I think I think they'll make the playoffs. The Warriors, do they get to the finals? I'm not sure. I think that depends on Clay a little bit. But yeah, I think in terms of my actual pick from the West, man, it's a tough one, but I am going with Utah. And I know that might sound crazy to a lot of people. I'm a huge Donovan Mitchell guy. Ever since he was drafted from Louisville, the kid is, the dude is a stud. Like he, I don't know how he didn't make an all NBA team, by the way, last year, that was some highway robbery considering that they were number one in the Western conference. He led his team in scoring. Um, like, I mean, come on. I, I think he's definitely, he's a surefire star in this league now. I think he takes and takes another step in his development, which is, would you know, I don't know, kind of be crazy because he's already so good. But yeah, I think Utah gets a little bit better. And I think in general, Quinn Snyder will be better at making adjustments just because of what happened in the playoffs last year um, in terms of how they deal with Rudy Gobert on their team and so on. So I'm going with Utah. Um and that, all right, this is going to be our final question to wrap up the podcast. MVP predictions. So I, I would say this is a pretty open race. I don't think there's a clear favorite like there has been in years past. Of course, Nikola Jokic won it last year. So does he go back to back? What do you guys think? 
I think the media is going to be pushing the Luka Doncic for MVP. I think you're going to hear that like a lot. I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if Luka does win the MVP. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, my bold prediction. I'm gonna pick Paul George. Um, he's he's probably not gonna probably not gonna win it. But you know, I want to be I'll be different from the most of the people. You know, so I think it's his team. The green lights on him. It's his time to shine. If he can just will the Clippers to like a four seed in the West, I think that's like a fair argument, even to just be like in the runner up. So I'll pick uh, I'll pick Paul George as the MVP. I know I'm gonna get a lot of uh, hate for that, but you know, try, I'm trying to be different, y'all. I'm trying to do something different. Pandemic P, no, just kidding. Yeah, I like that paper. It's, it's Pfizer P now. He's vaccinated. I'm gonna go with Steph, just because I'm gonna stay on the Warriors uh, bandwagon, and I'm not, I'm not gonna get off of it. Um, Steph had like Steph probably could have had a or he he easily had an MVP level season last year. It's just Giannis was just that much better. But uh, I think I think with or without Clay or anyone else, I think he'll be back to to winning an MVP. And it's just hard for guys to three peat MVPs. I don't think LeBron's ever three peated. I don't know if Jordan three peated MVPs. Maybe I don't even remember. But I just don't think Giannis will will three peat. Um, well, but it, it was but, Jokic last year, though. Aiden. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Jokic. <laughs> yeah, there's no way Jokic is winning again. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. But I do I do like Steph, and I think especially since they picked a center last year, they'll pick a guard this year, or LeBron, because that seems to be like a clear and obvious choice. That'd be cool for LeBron to win for sure. Yeah, I mean that would isn't he at four MVPs? His fifth would tie MJ, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't know. I I think that the media will definitely not be pushing Jokic to go back to back. That is one thing that you know is a for sure. I think the media will be talking a lot about Luka Doncic, like you said, Benai. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Steph is a good pick. I, I was thinking about him too. I think my only issue with Steph is just his injury history the past few years. Um, because can he actually play, you know, 70 games that it might require to win the MVP? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, even last year he was on that tear where he had like what eight plus 40 point games in a row. Um, and so he was the clear favorite for the MVP right then. And then he got hurt up towards the second half of the season. So yeah, I think Steph is a good pick though. If he stays healthy, I think, I don't know. I I definitely see him as being the front runner in this race, but I'm going to go with Kevin Durant. I think, especially with Kyrie, not, or at least most likely not being with this team, at least at the beginning of the season, I think KD is going to go off. And I mean, we saw a Kevin Durant led Brooklyn Nets team in the playoffs last season. He was unbelievable. I mean, any question that anybody had about how he was going to recover from his torn Achilles, any doubts completely thrown out the window because he was fantastic. Like dude looked as good as he was in OKC, as good as he was in Golden State and possibly even better just because he was finally being that legitimate lead role. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Kevin Durant. I think even though I get that they have James Harden, of course, but I, I think between the two of them, you know, there's enough opportunities for shots and stuff to go around. And I think KD is the clear number one guy on that team. And I think another thing that helps it is that I do think Brooklyn will be the number one seed and the clear favorite to win the championship because let's face it, that does play a factor in winning the MVP. So I'm going with Kevin Durant. I was I was gonna I was gonna point that out because Russ Westbrook, I think, is the only player in I don't know how many years to win an MVP without winning his division. Um, and divisions don't really matter, but like that is that is a factor for that. But yeah, I was gonna. I was going to point that out because because I I really like Steph and like obviously you picked uh Paul George but I don't know if the they're going to put up triple double numbers that Russ Westbrook did when he won MVP and OKC was what like a 6 seed or something. So yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean that that's a good point. I mean, um I still remember I think it was last year actually uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq were debating that on NBA on TNT and Charles was saying that the team performance does matter. Shaq was saying it doesn't. 
it it definitely does. I mean, that's like you said, Aiden, with the trend of recent years. I mean, it definitely does matter. You have to be on one of the very best teams in the league to win MVP. And that was the case with Jokic last year. I mean, everyone loved the Nuggets and they got the three seed in the Western Conference. So I think it does matter. And that's why, yeah, I think it favors Kevin Durant. Um, it favors someone like Giannis. It favors LeBron, of course. But yeah, if, if the Warriors get it going, and I think Steph is kind of that type of dude, though, that he could be the exception to that. Because if they could get like the seven seed, but Steph is putting up Steph numbers and his team's just garbage around him, I could definitely see him winning the MVP. So it'll be interesting, though. But yeah, does anyone have anything else? We're about to wrap it up. I did want to say one more thing. Um, shout out. We, we, you talked about LaMarcus Aldridge, how he was trashed last year. But I also did want to mention, like the man's literally retired due to heart issues and is now coming back. That's just so crazy to hear. And that's just actually one thing that I kind of want to say as we wrap it up. Let's all pray for a healthy NBA season. I think what we've learned, especially in the last playoffs, is that health is wealth with these <laughs> for like for everyone just like so many teams and just your, yourselves individually but so many teams had opportunities to win last year but were injured the the clippers the lakers the nets all these teams were getting injured so hopefully everyone's healthy and yeah i'm excited for this nba season are y'all do y'all have any final thoughts i was just gonna say pistons are taking the dub in their first the season opener the first game of the season against uh Chicago, in my opinion, I think they get that one done. They're going to be at home for that one. I think they win in Cade's debut. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a win in Cade's debut and that he just puts up numbers. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it in the, another exciting NBA season. Well then, that'll conclude this episode for the Three Rings podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, be sure to follow our socials at the Three Rings podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And yeah, we'll see y'all next week or at our next episode. Not sure when that'll be, but um, we'll try to be consistent throughout the season. Um, hopefully making um, weekly episodes about the Pistons and just about the league in general. But yeah, guys, peace. Cardi AK.